0: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Get your eyes off of the mess, the unfinished business, the things you still have to do, the things that aren't done yet, all of the struggles, all of the challenges. Get your eyes off and get them on to Him.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire
0: Hello everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thank you so much for joining us this time. Today we're continuing the series, Encouragement for Discouraging Times, with a look at the fruit of encouragement. You know, I have many plants and flowers in my backyard that I love to take care of. And of course, one of the immediate signs that a flower needs watering is that it begins to droop and to wilt. It always amazes me that mere minutes after watering a drooping plant It stands back up and reaches for the sun. And you know we Christians are the very same way. It's easy to spot a Christian that needs the water of encouragement. No smile graces their face. There's no skip in their step or gleam in their eye. On the inside, they're wilting. But just like the wilting flower, it doesn't take much of the water of encouragement to bring them back to life. So let's get right to the message, the fruit of encouragement, and see the incredible power that encouragement has in the life of the believer. They began strong. Many people do. Many people began very, very strong. I've been around long enough to see those who were there every time the doors were open, filled with zeal, filled with the Holy Spirit, witnessing to everything that moved, sometimes what didn't move. And then somewhere along the way, something happens, and they fizzle. Faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. And so here were these people. They've been in bondage 70 years. They lost their homeland. Their city was completely destroyed. They watched the temple, the Solomon's beautiful, glorious temple, totally devastated and destroyed. They watched the wall completely torn down. Everything they had known was utterly devastated, And they were carried off into Babylonian captivity to a people of a strange language. Uh, They were told while they were there, sing to us a song. And they replied, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And so there they were, 70 years. They watched many of their people live and die. But then the day came by the prophecy of God, what Jeremiah and Daniel had prophesied that Cyrus the king said, hey, you want to go back and rebuild your city and your wall? Go, and I'm going to finance you. And so as many of the children of Israel that wanted to, left with Ezra and Nehemiah and returned to rebuild the city and rebuild the wall. Now, these passages we just read, the context is they've been working on the wall. At first, they're exuberant, excited, uh, motivated, energetic, and encouraged. Encouraged to the max. We can do anything was their attitude. But just four verses later, something had happened to that. Something had happened to that. Four verses later, something had knocked the wind out of them. And now they're fearful, weary, listless, unmotivated, and discouraged. Not encouraged, discouraged. Three things were responsible for this. And I'm going to cover them quickly. These three things knock them down. and They're what knocks us down, you down, me down, if we let it. First, their focus had shifted from the purpose before them to the mess surrounding them. Ever done that? You get your eyes off your purpose and onto the mess? Their focus had shifted from the purpose before them to the mess surrounding them. Here's the verse. There is so much rubbish. The Hebrew there really is literally dust, mess, garbage, junk. So much unfinished business is the idea. They were halfway The wall was halfway up, halfway done, and that's when they fainted at the halfway mark. And they got their eyes on all of the the tools and the bricks and the dust and the dirt and the grime, and they said, wow, we can't do it. There's too much junk, too much in the way. Second, they became intimidated by their enemies It says, we have been told ten times that our enemies will come into our midst and kill us. They got their eyes off the promises of God and they focused on the threats of the enemy. They became intimidated. This happens to all of us when we pull our eyes off of the promises of God and we start listening to the voice of the devil, the voice of discouragement, the voice of lies Then third, they grew weary in the work. I've seen this so many times and I have done this myself so many times. You get so busy with the work of the Lord, you unplug from the Lord of the work. You don't mean to. You don't know that you're doing it. But we preachers, we tend to get into that Bible only for a sermon. I will not do that. I learned the hard way. You cannot live for ministry while unplugged From the minister, Jesus Christ. You can't. And we can do it. We get so busy with the work of the Lord. Oh, and it's a good work, but we get weary in the work. And it says the strength of the laborers is failing. Now, here it is. Wrong focus, intimidation, and weariness took them down and discouraged them. And some of you are discouraged today for one or more of these reasons. I'm going to preach it out of you, Lord willing. The Word's going to get it out of you today. I fully expect the Word to work today. It will not return to me void. But it's going to do what it's sent forth to accomplish. Some of you that dragged in here are going to skip out of here. Okay? Yeah. That's what the Word does. Now, what Nehemiah does next reveals the power of encouragement. Oh, it's so powerful. See, he could have said, all right, well, all you folks that are quitting on me, I'll just go back to Persia and get some more workers and bring them and and replace you folks. But see, God doesn't replace us. He revives us. God does not replace you. Some of you thinking, I got shelved. I'm replaced. No, you're not. Nobody can replace you. Only you can do you right. Let me put it this way. No way I can be you. I got to be me. And you can't be me. You got to be you. God anointed you to anoint you. And when he anointed you, it was you. It wasn't me. Now watch this. He decided, I'm going to encourage them out of this. I'm going to use the power of encouragement to get them out of this. So he gathered the fearful, the weary, the discouraged people, and he encouraged them. Now let me show you what he did. Here comes his encouraging words. First, he restored their courage. See, when you're discouraged, you used to be couraged and it got dissed. Now, I know you haven't get, you're not going to hear that in English class, but it works here. You used to have courage and it got dissed, and so you are now discouraged. But see, then you get end, encouraged. And encouragement disses the diss and gets you back into courage. Watch this now. At the beginning of the project, they all possessed courage. They were full of courage. Bring it on. We're going to finish this work. Then they became discouraged. They got discouraged. And Nehemiah speaks to them, and he says, Do not be afraid of them. Men, your enemies, your critics, Don't be afraid of their threats. Don't be afraid of their words. Don't be cowed down and intimidated by the opinion of men because the fear of man brings a snare. I don't care what people think. I could care less what people think. They'd pat you on the back one day, stab you in the back the next. I don't care what they think. I care what he thinks. I fear the Lord. I care what he thinks but how often God's people fall prey to fear, don't we? It's so easy. Fear slips up on you, creeps up on you. David battled it all the time. The Psalms are full of David battling fear. He said, when I am afraid, he didn't say if I'm afraid, he said when. I will trust in you. Psalms 27.1, 27.1, one of my favorites. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear and of whom shall I be afraid? He battled his fear with the word of God. And then, of course, Psalms 91. Who can forget it? You shall not be afraid. Everybody say that with me. You shall not be afraid. Let's put an I in there. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. That's what it says. So notice David repeatedly shook off the fear of, that attacked him by quoting the Word of God. The Bible tells us beyond all question that fear doesn't come from God because fear has torment, and God does not torment his children. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control or a sound mind. That's what God gave us. God takes away the spirit of fear and replaces it with a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is powerful. Suddenly you have power. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit. I would not be up here if not for the Holy Spirit. Nobody was more filled with fear and intimidation and different phobias and insecurities than I was, but I found that when the Spirit of God came upon me, He turned me into another man, the Spirit of God. There is nothing more powerful than the Spirit of God. Listen, the church in the West doesn't need more money. It doesn't need bigger buildings. We need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Man, I'll tell you, the Spirit of God changed me, rearranged me, renovated me, stood me on my feet, breathed vision into me, and took me from being one thing into completely another. The power of the Holy Spirit, and He's here today. I prayed last night. I said, oh, God, breathe on us tomorrow. Breathe on us tomorrow. See, you haven't had church until the Holy Spirit's there. If you have church without the Holy Spirit, you just had a religious meeting. We need the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God can touch you and do in five minutes what psychologists couldn't do in 20 years. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what it says. If you're tormented by fear, the first thing to know is that God did not give you that fear. 1 John 4, 18 says perfect love, God's love, casts out fear. Cast it out. Well-formed love banishes fear, John writes, since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment. All of these things represent the person who is not fully formed in love or who is not full of the Holy Spirit Because when you get full of the Holy Spirit, there's no room for the spirit of fear. Now, Nehemiah was looking at a group of people filled with fear, locked in fear, paralyzed by fear. So he says, I'm going to encourage you out of this. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Who are they? God will fight for you and you will hold your peace. We're the winners and not the losers. Don't forget who you are, but even more than that, whose you are. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? I like this story. In Paul's travels, he shipwrecked, he was a prisoner in a ship being taken to see Caesar. And and this is in the last chapter of the book of Acts. And I love that it happened in the last chapter because it's powerful. He's in this ship. He's been visited by an angel. The angel has told him, fear not, the ship wrecks. And all the prisoners that are on the ship and all the sailors swim to shore and it's winter time, and it's freezing. They're all shivering to the bone. And so Paul, being the servant that he always was, he goes around looking for some sticks to gather for a fire. And listen to what the Bible says in verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, for you Texans a snake, (laughs) came out by reason of the heat. Ooh, and this word is strong, fastened on his hand. Let me give you a grim picture. The word fastened, probably means he bit him and then wrapped around his arm. Everybody say, Ooh. Some of you just grabbed the side of your chair. I saw you. The word viper is letting us know it was probably a two-stepper. That's what we call a two-stepper. It's like your cobras, your black mamba, your green mamba, your puff adders. These are snakes that if they bite you, you take two steps and you die. Now, that's a little bit exaggerated, but not by much. Because the venom immediately goes to your lungs and paralyzes you where you cannot breathe. Now, I've got a reason for telling you that. This viper reached out of the fire and latched onto Paul's hand and wrapped around his arm. And for me, that is a picture of fear. It fastens itself to you. It injects its poison into your mind and heart. It paralyzes you into activity, just like it did Nehemiah's builders. They were paralyzed because of the venom of fear. Now, I want you to notice how Paul responded. He didn't go running. He didn't go screaming. He didn't write a will. I love this verse, verse 5. Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was not hurt in any way. Now, see, this same Paul went around this entire city or this entire island healing everybody who was sick, praying for everybody. Now, he didn't do it, but Jesus did it through him. But there was such an anointing on his life at this point, such a grace that everywhere he went, he prayed and people were healed. And on this island, it says he healed everybody who was sick on the island. So this snake can't take him because it wasn't his time. Until it's your time, you can't go. Now, the natives are watching this. The natives see this viper, latch onto his hand, wrap around him, and they're looking for the swelling to immediately happen because it happens immediately. They're waiting for him to drop, start laboring in his breathing. None of that happens, and they decide he's a god. Ooh. Paul said, don't worship me, but Jesus Christ is the one who has kept me whole. Now, watch this. Folks, I, I, let me just digress a minute and tell you. In a day of hypersensitivity... Right now in America, we are so hypersensitive. Political correctness has turned us into a bunch of blubbering babies, always offended about something. Good Lord, you turn on the radio. Somebody's offended about this. This group offended by that, we have become a great big pulsating mass of neurotic, offended, crying babies. That's what political correctness has done. But the Christian ought to be different. There are some things the Christian ought to learn to just shake off. Shake it off. Man, There's some things we need to shake off. If somebody says something hurtful to you in church, don't pick up your marbles and go home and say, I'm leaving church and I'm going to quit praying because I got hurt at church. Get over it. Give it to God and shake it off. Amen? When things don't go the way you thought they should or the way you thought they would, then give it to God and just shake it off. Listen, if that's all it takes to take you down, God doesn't have an army. He's got a playpen. He's looking for an army, tough on the outside, soft on the inside, a rhinoceros hide with a gentle heart. Nehemiah is encouraging God's people, shake off this fear. Don't let that cling to you. Be a Teflon Christian. Things hit you and just slide off. So Nehemiah is saying, shake it off. Now, second thing he does, by the power of encouragement, he adjusted their focus. Listen to what he said. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. He's saying, children of Israel, let me encourage you. Remember who you serve. He's great. He's awesome. I pulled just a few quotes from some of the prophets that used adjectives to describe our God. Listen to this. The prophet Zephaniah wrote, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Notice, not the uncaring, apathetic, distant God who's off flinging other stars into space. No, the one who intervenes in your life and answers your prayers and fights for you, the mighty warrior. And then Moses one day broke out in praise and he said, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Listen to this. Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, wondrous in your working, working wonders, Let me just quote Jeremiah the same way. Jeremiah said, No one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty. Your name is mighty. And he hadn't even gotten to the name of Jesus yet. This was just Jehovah. Your name is mighty. But now there is no other name above the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to the words. Majestic, awesome, wondrous, great, and mighty warrior. Folks, when your focus is on that, Instead of the rubbish, then you win by your focus. You will go forward or go down based on your focus. I'm going to say it again. You will go forward or go down based on your focus. Ask Peter. As long as he looked at Jesus, he walked on the water. When he looked down at the waves and the wind, he sank. God, you are a majestic God, an awesome God, a wondrous God, a great God, a mighty warrior fighting for me. And if you be for me, who can be against me? That's why I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And he who has begun a good work in me will finish it till the day of Jesus Christ. Because you're a majestic, awesome, wondrous, great, and a mighty warrior. The God who promised that he would make all things work together for the good of those who love him or the called according to his purpose is going to turn your mess into a message and your moaning into a testimony. That's what he promised. And that's what Nehemiah is telling these people. Isaiah said, you will keep the man or the woman in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind is not occasionally glances your way, but is kept on you. I encourage you, said Nehemiah, get your eyes back on him and off of the mess and off of your enemy. Get your eyes, I encourage you, back on him. Sometimes all it takes to help a struggling believer is say, hey, friend, get your eyes back on Jesus. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. Let's get our eyes on him. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to be fixed until I get my eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Get your eyes off of the mess, the unfinished business, the things you still have to do, the things that aren't done yet, all of the struggles, all the challenges. Get your eyes off and get them on to Him. And then last thing he did, and I love this one, by the power of encouragement, he skillfully and wisely pulled them back to their purpose. Hmm. He reminded them why, why they were in Jerusalem, rebuilding the torn down wall and the entire city. Let me tell you why. And here's what he said. You're fighting for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He's saying, do you remember your purpose? Do you remember your why? Well, that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed the message and that you're inspired to become an even stronger encourager of others. And speaking of the power of encouragement, I want to encourage you to join hands with Life Talk in reaching the nation and the world with God's word. We indeed live in a spiritually wilting and dying nation. And there's only one tried and proven remedy, the gospel of Jesus Christ declared without apology or compromise. If you'd like to become a part of helping Life Talk do just that, then connect with us at our new website, lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. The time to reach our nation may be shorter than we think. Thank you for joining hands with us to make a difference. And join us again next time as we continue with part two of the message, The Fruit of Encouragement. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. The Fruit of Encouragement is the fourth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times. You can own a copy of this four CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information.
1: You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111.